Okay, let me pray and then we're going to dig into God's word this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for preaching this Sermon on the Mount 2,000 years ago and that we get to open up our Bibles now and read your very words, the words of the living God. You, Jesus Christ, are fully God, fully man, and that we can read your words. Perfect truth here. 100% pure, perfect truth. Unshakable truth. Truth we can bank our lives on. And so I pray that you'd strengthen us. I pray that you'd teach us. Lord, I need your help today. Give me the, the heart that I need and the wisdom that I need. And would you move upon us now as we open up your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, don't turn there right now, you don't need to, but in in 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Israel, faced a crisis. And what happened was that the bloodthirsty Moabites and the brutal Ammonites and the vicious uh, Munites had all gathered together, and the next day they were going to invade Israel and destroy Israel. And so King Jehoshaphat gathered all of Israel together and had them pray. But not just pray. He gathered them together so that they would pray with fasting. So they didn't eat. Fasting means abstaining from food for the purpose of prayer. And so there there they are. They're hungry. They're praying. They're fasting. They're praying They're fasting, they're praying, and as they're in that setting, God gives a spiritual gift to one of the men who stands up and he says this. He says, God's saying that we do not need to be afraid. That tomorrow we're going to go out to the battlefield, but God is saying we will not need to fight. He will fight the battle for us. We can go out tomorrow, watch and see the salvation of our God. And they all moved into worship. And so then what happened the next day? They went out into battle. And God caused the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Munites to start to fight against each other. And they fought against each other until they destroyed each other. And the people were able to simply to watch and see the salvation of God. Now, here's the question I want you to think about. Let's kind of spiritualize that. Think about the spiritual... Moabites, Ammonites, Munites in our lives who are attacking our faith, who are causing difficulties in our families, who are oppressing people in our home groups, who are keeping people in blindness in our neighborhoods or workplaces. What might God do if we fasted and prayed for his work to be increasing in those situations? What might he do? That's the question, fasting, that Jesus talks about in the next section of the Sermon on the Mount. So let's turn there. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And as we always say, if you need a Bible, thanks guys, raise your hand. We want you all to have a Bible that you can look on. We are passionate here about studying the scriptures together. The whole church, Mercy Hill and all other churches that names the name of Christ, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's the book you hold in your hands, the very words of God here. And so we want to study this passage together and ask God to, to mold our church, to shape us, to fit what he taught here. So let's look at what Jesus said. By the way, Matthew 6 is on page 811 in the Bibles we passed out. 
So let's read Jesus' words, the words of the Son of God. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, he said, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now I want you to notice something in these verses, that Jesus in these verses is assuming something about believers. Did you catch what he's assuming? What is he assuming about his followers? Look at the beginning of verse 16. He says, and when you fast. Beginning of verse 17. But when you fast. So notice he does not say if you fast. He says when you fast. So Jesus is assuming that his followers will have a rhythm of fasting and prayer in their lives. Now again, what what exactly is fasting? It's very simple. It means abstaining from food for the purpose of prayer. So you might take tomorrow and just say, I'm going to skip lunch tomorrow, and instead of eating lunch, I'm going to devote that time to prayer, and then as my stomach is growling through the afternoon where I can, given my responsibilities, I'm going to take extra time where it's possible, and I'm going to pray. And I maybe, So maybe just do it for one meal tomorrow, you know, go through dinner, or maybe you do it for a day or for a week or longer or whatever, but fasting is abstaining from food for the purpose of prayer. That's what it is. And Jesus assumes here that we believers will fast. And when you read through the Bible, I, I made a list yesterday of, of all the people in the Bible who are described as fasting. It's a long list. Moses fasted on Mount Sinai. David fasted numerous times for his son's healing, uh, for his friend's healing, for his own repentance for his sin. We've already seen how Jehoshaphat fasted with all of Israel, Second Chronicles 20. Ezra was taking a trip from Babylon back to Israel and he fasted with all those who were traveling with him that God would give them a safe trip. Nehemiah fasted and prayed all by himself for Israel's well-being, mourning and fasting. Then Nehemiah urged all of Israel to join him in fasting with repentance in Nehemiah chapter 9. Esther is going to be having this very sensitive conversation with the king. Her life would be at stake. She has people fast for that conversation and God answered the prayer. Daniel in chapter 9 fasts and prays for Israel. Joel calls all of Israel to fast and pray. Josiah has all of Israel fast and pray. The people of Nineveh, when they heard the gospel, they fasted and prayed. The prophetess Anna regularly fasted and prayed. Acts chapter, I'm I'm sorry, uh, Luke chapter 2. Jesus fasted and prayed, right? 40 days. Paul fasted and prayed with the leaders in Antioch. Paul and Barnabas fasted and prayed as they chose elders. So here's this list all through the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, people are fasting and praying. Now, it is true that during the time that Jesus was on earth, his followers, the disciples, did not fast. Because why fast to seek God when God's right here in front of you? That's what Jesus taught. But except for that time period, when Jesus was on earth, from Genesis to Revelation, God's people have a rhythm of fasting and praying. The problem was, at Jesus' time, Israel had distorted what fasting was supposed to be. And you can see in verse 16, he talks about the wrong way to fast. So we want to be having a rhythm of fasting and prayer here at Mercy Hill Church. We're followers of Jesus Christ. He assumes that we're going to fast here, but we don't want to fast the wrong way. So what's the wrong way? Verse 16. 
When you fast, do not look gloomy. Now, can we all practice that for a second? What would it be like to look gloomy? Okay, you get the idea, all right? So, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So at that time, someone out of their way to look gloomy, and they disfigured their faces. Probably, the next verse I think shows us what that means. They didn't wash their face. They didn't anoint their head with oil as like what they would do. So that maybe their hair was going everywhere. I don't know, you know what it was, what's, what's going on. Maybe, maybe sackcloth, maybe ashes on their heads. But they would look gloomy, they would disfigure their face, and their whole reason... Their whole orientation and fasting was horizontal. There was no looking to God. It was all about, are people going to notice that I'm fasting? What they were looking for in their fasting was for people to notice them, to be impressed by them, to be talking about how spiritual they are, for their stock to rise in other people's eyes. That was their whole focus, was this horizontal thing. And Jesus says, if that's how we fast, then that's all the reward we're going to get, is whatever recognition you get from other people, nothing will be coming as reward from God. That's the wrong way. What's the right way? Verses 17 and 18. But when, notice, not if, but when you fast, anoint your head with oil and wash your face. So those are are the things that they weren't doing in order to be noticed. So anoint your head, wash your face, put on your makeup, do the usual things you do, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So again, when you fast, don't do anything, don't go out of the way to have people notice you. Just do your normal routine. Okay, Comb your hair, shave, put on your makeup, whatever you might do. Don't focus on having people notice you. Instead, focus on God. Have your focus be vertical. Focus on, on God and him noticing your fasting, and him graciously and mercifully rewarding your fasting. So don't have your focus be on people being impressed, focus being on God, on him mercifully noticing, him graciously rewarding your fasting. Now, does that mean that that all of our fasting should be in private so nobody knows? That's obviously not the case because in the Bible there's many times, like Jehoshaphat, all of Israel knew that each other were fasting, Paul fasts with the leaders of the church at Antioch, so they all knew they were fasting. So there's nothing wrong with having people know you're fasting. What's wrong is to fast for the purpose of having other people know. Is it clear on that? So that should not be our purpose. Our purpose in fasting should not be to have other people know. So what should our purpose be? What's the purpose of fasting? It's right there in verse 18. Start with verse 17. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. And here's the purpose. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but that your fasting may be seen by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So the purpose of fasting, the purpose of abstaining from food for the purpose of prayer, is to receive God's gracious, merciful reward. Okay, if we fast to be seen by others, whatever the seeing happens, that's the only reward we're going to get. If we fast to be noticed by God, to be seeking God, if we fast for God, then he will graciously and mercifully reward us. So the purpose is the reward. That's the purpose for fasting, reward from God. God, 
rewarding us graciously, mercifully. Now, we talked about rewards two weeks ago. I want to talk about rewards again because there's two uh, serious misunderstandings that people can have about rewards. And that, those misunderstandings might even make you kind of suspicious of even thinking about rewards. But Jesus is talking about rewards right here. So let me clarify these two or explain these two misunderstandings so that they won't be part of what we're doing here at Mercy Hill. Okay? One misunderstanding is thinking that the reward is health or wealth. The reward is prosperity. That what I'm seeking God for is health. I'm seeking God for is wealth. What I'm seeking God for is comfort. I'm seeking God for luxury. That's not the purpose of fasting. The reason we fast is not for health or wealth is because we want more of God. God is the prize. God is the reward. We want more of God's power in our hearts conquering sin. We want more of God's presence in our hearts satisfying us. We want more of God's salvation brought upon our neighborhoods. The purpose for our praying is because we want more of God. He is the prize, not health, not wealth. Now, is it okay to fast for someone to be healed? Yes, Psalm 69, David does that a couple different times. But we keep our ultimate we keep our focus ultimately on God himself, even as we're praying for healing because God may heal or God may not heal. He will do whatever will bring this person more of God, more nearness to God, more grace in God, more heart satisfaction in God. So even as we pray for healing, we can pray in a very God-centered way. So really what we're after is God and his glory and whatever he wants. We're praying for healing because we love this person. And God tells us to pray for healing, so we're praying for that. That's our longing, but it's all for the sake of whatever God chooses to do, ultimately. So it's good to pray for health from that perspective. And it's also good to pray for financial provision. You can think, well, if we shouldn't pray for wealth, then we should never pray for David Sachs to get this job. We should never pray for financial provision. No, remember, Lord's Prayer last week, Jesus said, we should pray, give us this day our daily bread. Okay, so we need bread, we need clothes, right? We need a roof in order to fulfill God's calling on our lives. So it's not that we love bread and clothes and whatever else. We don't pray because we love those things. We pray because we love God and we want the financial provision we need to bring glory to his name, to advance his calling in our lives. It's for him, it's in him, it's because of him. He's the prize, even as we're praying for health or even as we're praying for financial provision. Okay, so are we clear here? The reward is not health or wealth. It's not a prosperity thing. God is the reward. We want him. We're praying with fasting. We're abstaining from food for the purpose of prayer so that we can have more of God, more of his power in our lives, more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so we're feeling and sensing his fullness more deeply, more of his power in our home groups, freeing people from being oppressed or going through difficult times, more of his saving power in our neighborhoods or workplaces so people are being saved. We want God. We want God, and that's why we're praying. So it's not health or wealth, it's God. Are we clear? Okay, now, another misunderstanding is to think that the reward is something we earn or deserve. That when you fast and pray, you somehow now obligate God. That you are, you've earned, that now in what you've done, you deserve God to do something for you. And if you think 
that you've earned or deserved anything from God, then you will not receive from God. The whole dynamic of who God is and who we are, there's only one way to get and to receive God from God, and that's mercy. The only way. Whenever we come to God thinking we've earned or we deserved, God is not pleased. It dishonors his mercy. It dishonors the cross. See, we've all sinned, right? It's like Justin was sharing during communion this morning. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, God's perfectly loving, flawlessly wise. He's an overflowing fountain of goodness to all who will come to him. God deserves perfect trust. He deserves our supreme love. This is just who he is and what he deserves. And we've all turned our back on him and walked away. And therefore, because God's just, we deserve punishment. Okay? That's what we deserve. But God loves us. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's gracious. And so he sent Jesus and he punished his own son, Jesus, with our sin. And Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to come to earth and be punished by the Father for our sin. And so because of what Jesus has done, because of God sending Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross, because you're trusting Jesus, instead of receiving the punishment you deserve, God can pour out grace and mercy which you don't deserve. This is the beauty of the gospel. Because of Jesus, instead of receiving what you do deserve, punishment, you receive what you don't deserve, grace and mercy. Okay, so just let me do a little quiz here. What do we deserve? Punishment, okay? That's what we deserve. But what does God give us by his love and his mercy? Grace, mercy, okay? So if Jesus hadn't have died, okay, this is not a trick question, just to kind of play along here, okay? And you fasted and prayed, what would you deserve? Punishment, okay? But because Jesus did die, paying for your sins, because he earned your salvation, because he lived a perfectly righteous life that he clothes you with, because Jesus died, when you fast and pray, God can mercifully reward you. Does your fasting and praying earn the reward? No. Does God mercifully reward your fasting and praying because of Jesus? Yes. Okay, so here's two misunderstandings I want to make sure we avoid. The reward is not health and wealth, and the reward is not earned or deserved. But what Jesus says here is, as you fast and pray, I will mercifully, graciously, because of what Jesus did, reward you for your fasting and praying. When you fast and pray, I will mercifully, graciously, because of what Jesus has done, I will reward you for your fasting and praying. It doesn't earn my reward. It doesn't deserve my reward. It's all because of Jesus. But when you fast and pray because of what Jesus has done, I will graciously reward you. I've said that like probably 10 times now. So are we getting that? All right. This is so important. Because those of you who who get the gospel, if you think, well, reward is somehow about earnings, I'm not going to mess with that. You've just taken the power out of how Jesus motivates us to fast in this passage. He wants you to think, if I fast and pray, I will be graciously, mercifully rewarded. I want to be graciously, mercifully rewarded. That's the motive power he gives us in this passage, which is why we have to understand how rewards work. Okay? I hope you got that. All right, now. So then what is the point of adding 
fasting to prayer. Let me first talk about prayer to answer this, and then I'll talk about fasting and, and what fasting adds to it. Let's start with prayer. God has chosen in great mercy to have our prayers, to have your prayers move him, stir his heart, move him to do the things he's purposed to do. God's chosen to have your prayers move him to do what he has chosen to do. God does not need our prayers. This is so important to understand. It's not like he's hoping that we can get enough psychic power in this room together. And come on, church, if you can just kind of get, you know, think positive and direct your thoughts in a direction, I'll be able to do something. It's not what God's saying. God does not need our prayers. He does not need us. He can heal. He can save. He can free. He can provide jobs. He can do everything all by himself. But God has chosen to have our prayers move him to do the things that he's chosen to do. Now, why? It's because he loves us. Prayer is an amazing gift. What a gift. Here's three ways that he blesses us with prayer. One way is because when we understand that God works through our prayers, that if we want to see God work, we need to pray that we have not because we ask not, then we will pray and prayer brings us into communion with the God in whose presence is fullness of joy. So when you pray, you're connecting with your highest heart satisfaction, which is God himself through Jesus Christ. So he blesses us by saying, pray, because as we pray, we meet him and we connect with the one who is our fullness of joy. Another reason prayer is such a gift from God is because through prayer, we get the joy of having an essential role in the most important purpose in the world. The advance of the gospel and the building up of Jesus' church. And you have an essential role, like we talked about this last week, when you go into your bedroom and take five minutes to pray, God moves in the earth in ways that are beautiful. And so we have very significant, essential role in the most important work in the universe. Third reason is this. When you pray for something specific, like, like for a neighbor to get saved, it looks impossible. You pray and then... And you pray for your neighbor to get saved, and then your neighbor gets saved? You just see God's at work. God is real. Did you see that? This is awesome. And so when you pray for a specific request and you see God working in powerful ways, God's glory is displayed to you. So we get communion with God who is our joy. We get to have an essential role in the most important purpose in the universe, and we get to see God at work with our own eyes. And that's why God, one of the reasons... Or three of the reasons why God has said, I'm going to count your prayers. I'm going to, I'm going to have your prayers move me to do the things that I'm calling to do. I won't work on my own. You pray. You need to pray. Be devoted to prayer. Pray always. Pray without ceasing. Pray night and day. Pray, pray, pray. Communion, significance, seeing his work. Those are reasons he prays. And so he, he counts our prayers. He's chosen to have our prayers stir his heart to do what he's purposed to do. Now, what we need to understand about fasting is that God has chosen to have our fasting with prayer move his heart even more. So prayer moves his heart to do the things he's chosen to do. When you add fasting, it moves his heart even more. Now, I tried to think of an illustration. I shared this with my DNA guys Friday morning, and they didn't shoot me, so I think, I think this might work. So try this out. I just try to think of a way to kind of quantify it to make it real for me. Let's say that prayer without fasting has a 100 megawatt 
influence on moving God's heart to do the things he's chosen to do. Okay, prayer stirs God's heart. So let's say that prayer without fasting, a hundred megawatt of power. So you, you pray without any fasting and God's heart is powerfully moved to do the things he's, caused, he's chosen to do. Now, what happens when you add fasting in? I think maybe when you add fasting and you've added another 20 megawatts. So you've gone from 100 to 120. I try to think of numbers because, first of all, praying without fasting is huge. Right? We don't want to belittle prayer without fasting. It's massive. All kinds of prayers in the Bible God answers when there's no fasting. So that's the 100. But prayer with fasting is important. So I gave that about a 20. Now, I'm not going to die over those numbers, okay? All right, but do you get a feel of what we're talking about here? Fasting is important. Fasting makes a difference. Prayer is important. Prayer makes a difference. And fasting increases the difference and increases the importance of prayer. All right, so does that make sense? Okay. Now, why has God chosen to have fasting increase the power that our prayer has with him. And I thought of three reasons. Um, I, I think they're biblical. The first one's explicitly biblical. One reason is fasting humbles our hearts. When you fast, and you do it the way Jesus wants us to do it, not when you're trying to impress other people, but when you fast the right way, it helps you be humble. And this is mentioned three times in the Old Testament. It's mentioned in Psalm 69, Ezra 8, and Isaiah 58. The word fasting is linked with being humbled before God. And how does that work? Well, when you stop eating, you start to feel weak. Okay? Try it. All right? You'll see. You start to feel frail. You start to feel like, I'm, I'm, I'm a wimp. Okay? So you're shown, man, just take food away from me, and I just like fall apart. I'm a weak wimp. I'm frail, weak, and wimpy. And so it reminds us of who we are before God and how much we need God. So it, it humbles you. Look at how weak I am without food. Oh, God, I need your power. I need your grace. I need your strength. And so fasting humbles you. Secondly, I find my notes here. Hang on. Fasting helps, helps us pray. Now, that's not the clearest way to put it. It helps us to focus in prayer is really what I wanted to say for that second point. And here's how I've experienced this, and see if you can resonate. When you fast, you feel uncomfortable, right? Your body is like screaming at you. What are you doing? Why aren't you feeding me? What's happening today? And so when your body's screaming at you, it's hard to veg out in front of the TV. What are you doing? You just can't do it. So it helps you. It's like, okay, something is going on here that's out of the ordinary. That's right. I'm, I'm here to pray. And so it just helps me to pray. You all look like you're shell-shocked. Is that, do you understand what I'm saying here? It helps me to focus. Third, it helps us express how much we need God. And as fasting gives you a tangible way to say, as much as I need food, I need your presence in my life even more. As much as I crave you know, a peanut butter sandwich right now, I crave your power to be poured out upon my kids more. As much as I long for food right now, I long for the gospel to advance in my neighborhood more. So Lord, as much as I long for these other things, here's a tangible way of showing you, I long for you more, more of your presence, more of your power, more of your mercy, more of the gospel, more of the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. I'm longing for you. It's a tangible way that you can express that to God. So fasting humbles us, fasting focuses us, 
And fasting enables us to express the things that are powerful in prayer. And so those are maybe three reasons why God has chosen to have fasting stir his heart even more than just prayer. On maybe a 100 to a 20 ratio, I'm not sure, something like that. So, so what's the point of adding fasting to prayer? It's because fasting stirs God's heart even more to work. That's why. Now, a couple of thoughts on how to go about praying with fasting. I put a link in your notes, which goes into a lot more detail. I would encourage you to check that out. But here's just six points. Be, first of all, be sure you're physically able to fast. If, you're, if there's any doubt, check with a doctor. Second, be clear on your purpose. I would encourage you to list one, two, three, four. List the specific requests that you really feel impressed, that you want to bring before the Lord as you're devoting this time to, to praying with fasting. List them. Write them out. These are the three, four, five requests that you're bringing before the Lord that you're going to intercede about. Focus on what the purpose is. Third, be clear on how long. Don't say, well, I'll figure out as we get into it. You know, 30 minutes, that's plenty. Okay, don't figure it out as you go. Plan ahead of time. One meal, a day, whatever it might be. And by the way, there's wisdom in starting small. So if this hasn't been a rhythm of your life, start with one meal, maybe a day, but start small. Fourth, drink lots of water, expect a loss of energy, don't do all the strenuous exercise, okay? Just be wise. Fifth, expect supernatural opposition. Satan hates prayer. And Satan hates prayer with fasting. And so expect opposition. Um, Fasting are not my peak spiritual experiences usually, okay? I feel tired when I fast. Um, I feel distracted when I fast. I feel hungry when I fast, okay? So those aren't necessarily, you know, I've I've had some powerful times, but for the most part, those have not been my peak spiritual experiences, all right? Maybe that's just me. But anyway, expect opposition. Sixth, consider walking and praying. This is just something that I've benefited from. It keeps me from getting sleepy. It uh, gets me out of the house, out of my office, so I'm not being distracted by other things. And it helps me to be able to go to a place where I can just pray out loud and just cry out to the Lord and just pray and, you know, anyway. So consider walking and praying. <laughs> okay, now one last question. When should we decide to pray with fasting? Let me just give you, give you two thoughts here. One is when you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to fast, you will have times where you just have this thought of today would be a good day to fast or whatever period of time. I've had times where I've woken up and that was the first thought in my mind, time, fast today. And it's always been really, really good, really encouraging. So when you feel the Holy Spirit leading you, and another time is when there's a particularly urgent need. Okay, maybe there's a, maybe there's an area of sin in your life that you feel like I just I want more power. I need more power over this. Or maybe there's a situation in your family or, or somebody in your home group who's in great need, or you're just really burdened for oh, I want to see people saved in my neighborhood or at my workplace. So when there's an urgent need, and uh, there's mystery here, but let me, let me describe, kind of generally speaking, how this works. Let's say, for example, that you pray, not fast, but you just pray for more of the Spirit's power upon your home group. Okay? When you pray for more of the Holy Spirit to be poured out in your home group, there will be more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your home group than had you not prayed. Okay? And if you fast with prayer, there will be even more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because you added fasting in. That's how it works, okay? Or let's say you're praying for salvations in your neighborhood 
or for people to be saved at your workplace or in your circle of friends or family members. If you pray for God's saving power to be increased, then God's saving power will be increased more than had you not prayed. And if you fast, God's saving power will be increased even more. Okay? That's, what, that's how he's chosen to work. He's chosen to have our prayer move his heart to do the things he's chosen to do, to have our prayer with fasting move his heart even more to do the things he's chosen to do. And when you pray for power over sin, over more of the presence of God in your life, you will have more power over sin and you will experience more of the presence of God in your life than had you not prayed. And if you pray with fasting, you'll have even more power over sin and even more of the presence of God in your life. So that's how we decide when to pray. You might think, well, that sounds like we should be fasting and praying like on a regular basis. Yeah, when you, when you fast. Now, again, how often, when, what rhythm works for you, given the calling of your life, given your responsibilities, given who you are, your health, your, your, your age, your personality, whatever, it'll be different for all of us. But Jesus calls us all to have a rhythm of fasting and praying. Now, we don't really have any time for questions this morning. Unless there's just like a real short one that I can answer really easily. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Last week I totally forgot about how I was going to answer that question about the two bearables in Matthew. Remember that from two weeks ago? I totally, totally spaced on it. So it's on the back of your teaching insert sheet there. That's, that's my, my best explanation on Matthew 20, Matthew 25. Okay, all right. Sorry, I just forgot to mention that. But any, any questions on fasting? Yeah, I suppose the Bible is always food in the Bible. So if you're fasting from a computer to pray, I suppose that could be a fasting thing. But just in the Bible, it's always food. So that's kind of been my focus. And if somebody does find out accidentally, it's not like, oh, it's all over, disqualified, you know, <laughs> not at all. It's, it's totally fine, as long as that's not your purpose. Okay? Well, I think we're talking about answers to prayer, his presence first and foremost, which can manifest in terms of power over sin, right? Lifting of lifting. I mean, people who are feeling oppressed. I mean, just I mean, all the things we pray for, every one of them can be turbocharged with fasting. Right. I'm not talking about uh, fasting. I'm just talking about the reward. So, what is the reward? Yeah. I think it's God's presence manifested in answers to prayer. In, the, in these, yeah. Good. Okay, so what should we do about this? Okay, here we are, Mercy Hill Church. Here's our Lord Jesus' words. He preached these words for us today. And he assumes that all of his followers will fast. So let me encourage you, start making fasting, praying with fasting, part of your life. Now again, if this is brand new, start small. Okay, maybe just start with one meal. All right, and just see how that, that goes. Um, maybe next time you can do it for a day, but again, it's between you and the Lord, but have a rhythm of that. Have a regular rhythm of that. And again, why? Why, why, why? It's because Jesus promises. When you fast and pray, God, because of Jesus, because of his death, will mercifully and graciously reward you. He will. We want the merciful and gracious reward from God and so fast and pray, and he will mercifully and graciously reward you. Okay, let me pray for us about this. Let's all stand.
So Lord Jesus, you, you assumed here in these verses that we would be fasting and praying. Some of us have been doing that regularly, and I pray that those who have been, that you would use your teaching here to strengthen them even more in that. Some here have never had a rhythm of fasting and praying. This might sound very strange to them. Lord, I pray that they could just simply hear your love and hear your wisdom and hear your words and take a small step and watch what you will do. Help them, Lord. And Father, some here maybe have in the past had a rhythm of fasting and prayer that was very meaningful but then have drifted from that and have moved away from that. And I pray, Lord God, that this morning would mark a turning point in their lives and that they would say, I'm sorry and I'm back and here we go. And that as they fast and pray, you would, by your mercy, by your grace, reward them. So I pray that you would do that, Lord, for the glory of your name. Father, we want more of your presence in our lives. We want more power over sin. We want our home groups full of your love, full of your unity. We want our families to be thriving and healthy and whole, our kids to be saved. We want to see the gospel advancing in our city, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. So Lord, by your mercy, by your grace, through Jesus, reward us with those things as we fast and pray. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.